Good morning, friends, and welcome to St. Luke's Sunday Forum. We're so very glad you're here. Um, we're in the middle of our stewardship campaign, and it's very appropriate for you to listen to a variety of voices today of parishioners who are givers, um, members of our uh, extended family who are givers, uh, to talk about our theme, Big Love Finds a Way. You know, Big Love came from um, uh, an email I received from my friend Richard Rohr, and he signed off by saying, yours in big love. All of a sudden that struck me as uh, a great phrase to communicate what I think is the nature of God and what Jesus is all about. In 1 John 4, we are told that God is love and that perfect love casts out fear and that anyone who does not take care of or hates his brother and sister and yet says that that person loves God, is a liar. So right there, we get this vertical and horizontal dimension of what big love is. It is about loving God and also loving neighbor, which, of course, is the essence of Jesus's great commandment. He was asked of all the different laws in the Jewish tradition, which were the or was the most important. He said, love your neighbor as yourself is the second, and it's like loving God with all your being. We're told in 1 Corinthians 13 that there are three major virtues, three main virtues, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of all of them is love. So the idea of being God's people and activating and accessing and realizing uh, God's love in your life is for you and me to be loving. I love to distinguish between kind of small love and big love. Small love is loving the neighbor in your zip code, loving people who are like you and who agree with you. Jesus said, that's not enough. That's not what real love is. What he's about is loving those who are your opponents, your adversaries, your enemies, and those who persecute you. Pray for and love them. And the idea is understanding that Christ is in everything and everyone. And we are called to love everyone as though they are ourselves because they are us. So let's now turn to some people who are giving at St. Luke's. Let's ask them now to respond to the three questions. What is big love for you? And how have you discovered big love at St. Luke's Church? How has it impacted you? How do you experience it? And then how does it impact your giving? What's the connection between big love and your giving? Let's listen to our friends. What does big love mean to you? For me, big love is St. Luke's. It's my family beyond my immediate family. When I see people from church, during the pandemic, unfortunately, it's usually on Zoom, uh, but I still have the same reaction as if I've seen some long lost relative. I just wanna give them this big hug because uh, I really do feel this sense that everyone at St. Luke's is a member of my family. Big love, of course, comes from God. And it's available all the time, wherever we are. And it's, uh, and it's unconditional. And it's grace-filled and enabling. And it's ours for the taking. So to have these words, big love for this stewardship uh, endeavor, I think is just really appropriate because um, it, we've gotten it now. Two years of good big love, we've got it. And it's sort of in our consciousness and it's created this wonderful bond between all of us. We know, I mean, you can look across the church and know that person over there knows about big love. I think it's a really um, phenomenal thing the way it's caught on and the way it's so, um, it's so permanent with us. What big love means to me is the hard kind of love, the kind that means that we have to take other people where they are 
and listen and find common ground and allow us all to have the separate ground that we have. Um, it's one of the things I love about the whole big love thing for St. Luke's is that it's challenging to us. It doesn't mean you have to change who you are, but you can maybe open up a little more to one another. Um, and I love that we're doing it in this context of community. Um, so that really matters to me. Um, it helps me think differently about my interactions outside of the church as well as with my church family. Well, big love means to me what I have now come to know as agape love. Uh, so a love of God, love of each other uh, in community, um, love of humankind. And uh, I've found that to be the case uh, at St. Luke's and that's why it's so special to me. The concept of big love, as I think about it, is the kind of thoughtfulness for others and looking out for others as we kind of consider everybody as part of the human family and, and kind of, you know, what, what would Jesus do and how should we treat others? Um, and I think, you know, kind of looking for the humanity in other people, which, which Ed talks about quite a bit, and thinking about what that, if we just kind of, if we potentially disagree with them on certain topics or issues, you know, what is the good in people? And I like, you know, the discussion of finding the good in people, even when it's really hard to find. And I think that's a, kind of an important consideration. And I think it's an important consideration, you know, more generally that most people, they have their reasons for doing things and many of them sort of make sense. And so part of it is spending the time to understand who others are and um, kind of open yourself up to, in, in that process to, to know that you may be wrong or you, your views may be incorrect or maybe your views don't particularly matter in that situation. Um, I think it's a powerful concept from the standpoint of really thinking about where others are coming from and not kind of worrying how they view you or kind of what that means for other things. Um, so it's, it's a good way to, to talk to others and open yourself up. Um, that's my thought on big love. Big love means to me that, um, that God loves all of us, no matter what, no matter who we are or what we do or have it, God loves all of us. But then the challenge is for us to do the same. That, you know, if, if God loves all of us, then all of us are worthy of love. So our challenge is constantly to step back if we are, you know, judging people, which is the thing I confess every time I have to confess is like being judgmental. <laughs> so to step back and go, you know, God loves this person as much as God loves me. God loves us all. And, you know, it, it's, I, I always think with my family, they're people that I disagree with in my, in my immediate family, tremendous disagreements, but I love them. But to me, what Jesus is challenging us to do is not just love them, it's that person that's difficult, that's not in your family, that, that you need to step back and say, yeah, I love this person. I may not like what they're doing or what they're saying, but I love them because God loves me. Big love to me is St. Luke's. From the first time I walked into St. Luke's, I knew that it was home. I knew that the love that surrounded me at St. Luke's was, was real love. I loved the diversity of St. Luke's. I loved the openness of St. Luke's, just all the people at St. Luke's from day one. And that's, that's where I see big love every day that I'm there. So it was actually funny. I was down in Orlando this past weekend and I saw at another church, somebody had the words love big all over their church. So I think it's just, you know, it's this feeling, it's this natural and innate emotion and this natural innate goal that we all have together. And it just means a couple different things. Obviously you need to have a big heart to accept as many people um, into your, into your, you know, into your heart and into your feelings and just think about all those people. But it's also a little bit different with those people that maybe don't want to love you. You just got to throw even more love at them. 
so that they somehow get around or see the light or just give somebody a different perspective. And with all the different political and social and things going on right now, it's just important to have you know a big heart, but also show a lot of the emotion to people that might feel downtrodden or feel alone right now. So it's important to kind of absorb everybody's love as well as to, to give it out to everybody. You know, but big love just makes it even more encompassing. I mean, it reminds me of Ed. And, and I was thinking about big love as it's come out um, for us this year and last year and since Ed's been, been there. But um, the thing that's so cool about it to me is Clyde. Clyde was big love because Clyde was the person who it didn't matter who you were, where you came from, what you looked like. Clyde was there for you and loved you. And I mean, I used to work at the soup kitchen just so I could be with Clyde. You know, it, it was nice to be with the people at the soup kitchen, but but that to me was big love. And I think that's one of the ways that I realized that that's how St. Luke's is. It's that encompassing group of people that accept each of us. We each accept each other. It's a mutual journey. Nobody's better than anybody else. You know, we all have our ups and downs. We all have our hardships. We've all had our sufferings. And, um, and I think we embrace each other in that, which is, at least that's what it feels like to me. Um, I, I feel like I've experienced humility at St. Luke's and I'm okay with it. Big love is the church uh, being God and, and continually demonstrating God's love for me and acceptance of me exactly as I am. And so that's what I wanted for my kids, especially as they grew up and changed and went through you know, all the transition of childhood and teenagerhood, I, I wanted them to know that no matter what, they, they were loved. Big love to me is, um, is really perfect for this uh, time in our lives, just because it is, it's so simplistic in its message. I think big love means that in everything we do and everything that we are all experiencing together in these um, you know, troubling and difficult times, big love is a simple message that uh, I think helps fulfill me and keep me grounded into what's most important, which are the people in our lives and the things that we can do to make our communities and um, daily interactions better. And to me, that, uh, that simplicity of big love is really what, uh, what it means to me. How has big love reached you at St. Luke's? Well, I've been at St. Luke's for a long time. I was, Wilson Sneed confirmed me in 58. So, so um, I've been, when you've lived as long as I have and had as good a life as I have, it's also been peppered with a lot of joy and some deep sorrow. And St. Luke's has always been there for me. But right now it reaches me it reaches me when, uh, when I see Matt Brown's fingers on the organ, I am just, it's like the curtain going up. I, I, and then the wonderful music comes and when I see those faces, those little thumbnail pictures of our choir members just singing their hearts out, my heart sings with them. It's just wonderful. But I have always, I've complained about technology a lot but I don't do it anymore because the really interesting thing is that we have such a wonderful service every Sunday and we, and we, um, we thought we were so far apart, but we're together then. And so much is happening at St. Luke's, so much work has gone on to bring us close together when we're far apart and it's work. It's like, it's like the opera simulcast. When you see when you see close up, it's very, very moving and it's absolutely wonderful. And I love the flowers up close. I love the faces up close. I love I love everything. It's just very joyful for me to feel that much a part of something when I when we can't even touch each other. So it doesn't replace the hugs, but it's it's really wonderful. It's really I can't believe what our staff has done. That is big love. All that work and effort and the technology, Halla, all the people who have pitched in and made this, made this happen and given us so much in this pandemic.
I felt the big love more than ever during the pandemic, just because how hard we are trying to keep people connected or the churches, I shouldn't say we, but um, the church has done an amazing job of trying to keep people connected. And what it's also made me realize is how much I miss those people. Even though I see them on Zoom, it's the energy that I get from being with the people. And um, there's just so many opportunities to do that. One way that Big Love found a way to me during the pandemic is I volunteered as a deputy registrar um, at, and I picked St. Luke's because I knew I needed the support of being in my home, my home church, a building that I know and love. And of course, Mignon and Montserrat were there early. Mignon setting up on nothing like a verger to know where everything is. Uh, and Montserrat volunteered as poll worker <clears throat> just about four minutes prior to opening. Um, and Jan said, do you need anything else? Because she had been running around and finding me plugs and extension cords. And I said, yeah, I need a little prayer for my brother-in-law and my husband, who are, my brother-in-law's in the hospital. It's, it's a rough time. Uh, and I thought she was just going to say, I'll send one up for you. And instead, she grabbed me by the arm. We went to the church. She turned on the lights because she's a verger. We kneeled down and she said the most wonderful prayer not only for my brother-in-law, but for my family and for our country. And then we got up, we said, amen. She said, you have a minute. And we ran back into the church and opened the doors right on time. It's that type of support, that type of truly big love that is just amazing to me. And it's what has kept me coming back to St. Luke's and supporting St. Luke's because it is my family. Big Love has reached me uh, in many, many ways, but I think of what some may describe as seminal moments um, in community that uh, I feel that Big Love has reached me. And three of them uh, I'll share with you really briefly. Uh, the first was in 2001, and it was the Sunday immediately following 9-11. Mm -hmm. Attended church like so many people uh, attended church. You walked in and the congregation, it looked like an Easter Sunday congregation uh, mm -hmm. because the pews were overflowing, but the mood was not celebratory of resurrection as an Easter Sunday um, would be. And I would say that probably all of us, you know, it was a combination of uh, grieving. Um, questioning, uncertainty, and uh, just being together at that time uh, was so important. Um, and I vividly remember that all of the hymns chosen for that Sunday by the organist were what many would describe as patriotic hymns. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I specifically remember um, our national hymn, God of Our Fathers, ringing out from the pipes of the organ and, and being strengthened by that and being really moved by that to tears. So that, that's one of the times um, that I remember, you know, almost 20 years ago, but in some ways remember it like it was yesterday. Um, uh, the second um, is one that many people who've been involved with St. Luke's over the last uh, several years will remember is the celebration of marriage equality, the Supreme Court decision. Um, in support of marriage equality and the evening service that St. Luke's hosted uh, that evening um, for the whole community, um, for uh, our church community, for Episcopalians, and then for everyone. And uh, tremendously um, moving again, um, but celebratory uh, in this time. And so I think of that. And then uh, even more recently than that, um, what uh, some may not recall as, as vividly, um, was April 2018. And uh, St. Luke's, St. Luke's uh, hosted uh, a commemorative service um, in recognition and acknowledgement of the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. A tremendously moving, uh, emotional, uh, powerful, service um, that that still shakes me in, in, in some ways. I was never really involved in anything at St. Luke's ever until Mark 
I think a lot of people experience Mark's big love, reaching out to everybody and kind of grabbing them in. It's, it's kind of hard to, um, you know, volunteer and do things when you don't know what to do or who to talk to or kind of what the issues are unless Mark gets a hold of you and then he's going to take you and he's going to show his big love and make, and he's going to squeeze your heart to make sure that you give all this big love away. And I just think at the very beginning of COVID when everybody was reaching out to parishioners just to check and see how they were doing. I just met, I did two rounds of it and I just met so many amazing people and actually got some amazing tips from people that lived in, around my neighborhood. Um, you know, obviously as we were all working from home and trying to provide childcare at home, going outside and doing outside things was really fun. So I was actually able to find a Lake Clare Land Trust Sanctuary. They have an emu there that you can go feed blueberries to and other little parks, the Fraser Forest and uh, Deep Dean Park, just like little outdoor things that you can, you know, take your kid to, to kind of provide some, some excitement when everyone's just sitting at home all the time. So just being able to, you know, experience some of the love that each individual parishioner is giving to each other, not even from a top down, but from like a bottom up, like a bubbling up type way of our, our community has been really important and really impactful. You know, I think um, so many different opportunities at St. Luke's, you know, being a church that is so rooted in outreach and just kind of doing this and bringing into, um, you know, I've been grateful to be a part of the, the LGBTQ foyer group. Um, those beautiful souls have embraced me. Um, I've been on a trip with the youth group to Alaska. Um, being a, a lay Eucharistic minister um, and being able to share the, the chalice um, with people I don't know and people I do know is to me such a humbling gift to just see people and let them know that they are, are loved um, and not just by me, but by something far larger than me. Big love has reached me at St. Luke's through teaching fifth grade Sunday school. Um, I teach with the best teaching partners, um, Josh Bryan and Amy Doyle, and we have just formed an incredible friendship. We love teaching the kids together. We love the kids' enthusiasm. I love Josh and Amy's enthusiasm. And we, we just have an incredible friendship that has come from, from teaching Sunday school. I also did the visions class this, this summer fall, and that's just another way that Big Letha has reached me at St. Luke's, knowing that there are so many like-minded people in our congregation that are going through the same journey together and are all looking to continue to learn and love and love everybody. And that's what St. Luke's really means to me. I think the way that I felt big love, especially in the way that it relates to St. Luke's and in the way that I felt big love St. Luke's uh, growing up as a youth in the church, um, is is the way I not only feel so um, so loved by all the people, even the people that I don't really know, just the the smiles for people who probably like know my parents and know me, but I have no idea who they are because I've like they really interacted with me. They really met me when I was like two, um, but just the the smiles from them, the love from them, the uh, and the love from the people that I have made connections with in the parish hall, um, and just being able to talk to not only youth, but um, these adults that I can see care about me so much. So it's the people, but also I think that has translated to the, the, the love that I felt from all of the parishioners at St. Luke's has really seeped into the walls of the building. So um, one of my favorite things to do was even when there was no one else in the room just sitting in the youth room and uh, they have a, a Wii there and playing a game on the Wii, even though I have more entertaining games to play at home, just being in that space always meant so much to me, even if there, there wasn't anyone else there and just kind of feeling the love radiate from the walls, I, I think definitely had an impact on me and made it a really a really safe and wonderful place to be, uh, whether there was youth group going on or not. Um, and I think that's something that has definitely affected me profoundly. It's reached me through the youth group and I've made some pretty good friends and, and like a Liz is like a role model. And, you know, Bob is kind of like the ultimate 
through the pandemic, I am amazed at our church and its ability to throw itself into this new world of being online where our beautiful um, church in the in itself has been representative and and I worked with the kids at on the Christmas pageant for five years so I I got it you know I I got to witness the pageantry there but to be able to also um, make you have that feeling that you're gonna experience that um, you know as with as a community online whenever you have time to see it even if it's not if you can't get on at 10 o'clock on Sundays uh, which is what I like to do but if you can't get on then you can get on and and take it in when when you can't when you need need it it shows about the amount of work it it has taken and shows the big love and the the staff and the to, to make it come to our living rooms. Big love has reached me during my best moments and my worst moments. When I have some huge success, when I'm having a great day, my St. Luke's family celebrates with me. When I'm in trouble, my St. Luke's family comes to the rescue. I know that whatever I need, I, all I have to do is ask and help will be on the way. And there are times in a crisis when you don't know what you need. Well, there are people at St. Luke's who just instinctively seem to know what you need. Like there was a time that was going through a family crisis and we just didn't have the mental bandwidth to even cook dinner. And here comes a St. Luke's member showing up with casseroles on our doorstep. And that, that's St. Luke's, that's big love. And then lastly, how does your giving make a difference in big love at St. Luke's? It was always taught to me by my parents that giving uh, to church was a responsibility and an expectation. Um, again, I remember pretty vividly being a very small child sitting in a pew by my mother and the time came for the offertory and she would open her purse and hand me a dime to put into the offering plate as it passed. You know, it wasn't sufficient that my father or she would place an offering in for the family. It was also important that I understood that I needed to give as well. And of course, as I got older, it moved from being a dime to being a quarter, <laughs> to being uh, a dollar bill. And um, it, it's, it's something that was instilled in me from a very young age um, to the degree that you can uh, to give. And now that I'm uh, more than an adult, <laughs> middle-aged adult, I feel that even more uh, strongly now um, to continue giving to St. Luke's, uh, uh, my church home, um, that is literally and figuratively doing God's work uh, in our community and in Atlanta. There are so many worthy causes now that need need money and need our support. And um, when I when I look at our stewardship at um, at St. Luke's, I believe that to focus on on St. Luke's and its ministries, um, I really have a lot of faith in sending my dollars to a place that work that where I know um, the people and the the efforts that take place um, I know that I know that um, the dollars that that I can send to our church to help with its programs um, will be maximized in a way um, that are very important it takes money to run a church. We have the most fabulous staff in the entire world and they deserve to be paid well. And it's not gonna just happen. We each, have to, we each have to contribute to make sure that we can maintain our staff, that we can maintain that gorgeous building, that we can maintain the outreach and the in-reach programs that we have. All of that takes money. You know, we, we sort of hate to think of that, I'm sure none of us were raised to talk about money. That's just like, you just don't talk about it. 
But the reality is it takes money to maintain all these wonderful programs and this wonderful, that wonderful building and our wonderful staff. And so that's why I love giving money to them. <laughs> I just love it. I just think it's so important. And um, they've given, I've gotten so much from the church that the least I can do is contribute whatever I have to the church. It's a tangible acknowledgement of, of a commitment to, to Christ and to community and to making visible that love. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a way of being accountable to not just saying it, but doing it. You know, I think so much is, um, we can say in, in eager, but empty ways sometimes, but being able to follow it with action and, you know, giving to a place, um, whose, whose hope is to be that, that light on Peachtree Street. Because I consider St. Luke's to be my family, the way I give to St. Luke's is really no different than giving to my family. There are things that you do for your family where you invest in them. You might be paying for a child's college tuition. Um, that's no different than um, the capital campaign that we had a few years back that enabled the video system to take our services online, which has been a godsend during the pandemic. We're able to take the church into our homes because of that. It's made possible because people at St. Luke's are giving and I'm really proud that I was a, a part of that. Um, there are times that you wanna celebrate things. So you're taking the kids out for ice cream. That's part of your giving to St. Luke's. There are a lot of social events where we celebrate great moments or, or just create excuses for us all to get together as a St. Luke's family because we have so much big love. Um, and so I consider my giving um, no different than investing or supporting my family. You pay for your family members' medical care. That's no different than giving to funds that support the building. When, the, um, when the, the Good Shepherd mural was aging and needed restoration, it was because of the giving of our St. Luke's family members that we now have that restored and looking absolutely beautiful. Um, keeping up the building and the grounds, just maintaining the physical health of the church is the same as supporting your family's health. Yeah, I think St. Luke's is how it thinks about spending its money, where it spends its money, um, kind of the various things that it's used. Uh, there's, there's a lot of thought in that of trying to do the right thing. And I think St. Luke's is very kind of focused on trying to do the right thing, um, both for its parishioners and, and abroad. So I think giving is an important, you know, to make that happen, people have to give money. It's just kind of what it boils down to. Everything costs money. Supporting St. Luke's is like, to me, paying any other bill for something that sustains me. Um, like my electricity bill or when I buy good tacos and whiskey also sustains me in a different way. Well, St. Luke's does a whole lot more than that. Um, it is worth every dime. And I just don't think about it. I put it on my pledge and then I send the check automatically and I take it for granted that I have this home, this beautiful place, this beautiful building filled with people who love me and they're from all different backgrounds. We all, I think deep down, want to find a way to be the most fulfilled and to do the most good. And I think that, uh, that concept of big love permeating through all of our lives and everything that we do. I think that's something that has really fulfilled me. And especially in these times where we aren't um, as physically present, uh, big love is an opportunity to, um, to really reach out and touch other people and know that the, the church's work is ongoing and now more important than ever and that really gives me a sense of comfort that when I do give uh, to St. Luke's, 
that each dollar that I give is um, helping to fulfill the uh, real promise of big love and, uh, and, can, and making the world a better place. We have many reasons we give to St. Luke's. One is to support this community in downtown Atlanta that works so hard to make a difference in the neighborhood and area of downtown, which has its struggles with homelessness and um, urban blight in some ways, although it's getting, it's becoming different. Um, and, but the fact that folks join St. Luke's to give because of that mission, because of that outreach mission. Um, so I wanna support that. Um, the other piece that matters so much to me personally, um, and probably to my husband as well, is that we want to, our giving supports the things for our children at St. Luke's. That all important, creating a community that lasts longer than when you're from kindergarten to 12th grade and you go off to college, a community you know you can come back to, that connection with the children's group and the youth group and the important rituals that the kids go through. So our giving also has to do with our children and wrapping our arms around our children um, as well as our community, both internal and external to the church. Well, I think it's about investment in a place and uh, love for a place. I think it's it's when you make a pledge to uh, support the church financially, you're you're saying this is a place I want to love long term. Um, I, as a member of this church, love it enough to want to ensure that it will be able to continue to be uh, this wonderful place for me and also do even greater things. I think stewardship is both maintaining how wonderful the church is right now, but also seeing the many ways um, the church can increase its outreach, um, increase its support for folks across Atlanta who need that support. Um, and that's where the love comes in. The love comes in. I am not only giving this money to the church, because I like the church and I like the way I feel in it and I hope it can continue being that, but also um, I want to help other people. There's no such thing as too little or too much. And we all know what we can give, but, but giving makes a difference to me as well as St. Luke's because it means I'm invested. And I, I've lived in a lot of physical homes, but St. Luke's is my second home. And, and I've done, I've invested in my physical homes on in the roofing and the painting and keeping it going and sharing it with people. And I think there's a great uh, comparison there because, because St. Luke's does, does all these things for so many people. And I hope, I think we have to remember that that it is our home. And if we don't, well, we don't like to say if we don't, but giving makes us a part of it, makes us belong more. And if you don't give, and, and, and if, you should, if, you, if you don't give, it's like sitting on the bench and not being in the game. And it makes you so happy. G-A-V-E is a beautiful word. I really do appreciate the inspiration of all those people. Thank you all for joining us and telling us about your story. Now I want to address each and every one of you. It's time to pledge. The vestry cannot determine a budget for 2021 without your stated commitments financially. I emphasize stated. Um, we can't budget based on um, a hunch or our intuition. We need to communicate with you and to receive your communication about what your stated commitment financially is. That's what a pledge is. I pledge or we pledge a certain amount. I always uh, caution people against tipping God 
kind of like, well, I'll give $100 a month or I'll give $1,000 a month or some kind of rounded off figure. You know, it really is inspiring to receive proportional giving intentions. That's where you take your income for the year projected for 2021 and then give a proportion of that. Give hopefully 10% of that. That's what the Bible suggests. That's what a tithe is. Some people certainly can't go a tithe, but can go 5% or 4%. Whatever you do, know what percentage you're giving and then increase that from year to year because the life, the energy, the abilities and the capacity of St. Luke's Church to perform and embody its mission in downtown Atlanta depends on our proportional giving. Big Love Finds a Way is our theme. Big Love Finds a Way for all sorts of intractable problems in the downtown urban core. Big Love also helps us personally find a way to be givers, not to hold on and hoard what has been given to us, like the Dead Sea into which the River Jordan flows and nothing flows out, but to be vital, exuberant, giving, full of life, the way the Sea of Galilee is. The Sea of Galilee receives the River Jordan and lets the River Jordan flow out of it. Consider your money a sacrament of love, that what you have in your bank account, in your estate, is as a result of your labor, and in some instances, your legacy. So whatever the resources of your life or labor or legacy are, let them flow through you to St. Luke's mission and ministry so that we, as a people of St. Luke's downtown Atlanta, can be a Sea of Galilee, refreshing everyone from our beloved address in downtown Atlanta. Big love finds a way. It will find a way to heal and redeem you and your family and your people and your city and your country. And it depends on big love giving. Thank you. Uh, good morning again, everyone. Welcome again to this part of St. Luke's Forum. Uh, we're really, really happy that and grateful that Dr. Evan Anderson has agreed to come on board just for a few moments to give us an update on the whole scene about vaccines. He oversees an entire universe of research for vaccines, and this has happened in his whole world and there's nobody better for us to talk with than Dr. Everett, Evan Anderson of Emory University. Evan, thanks again for being with us. My pleasure. And early happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to everybody at St. Luke's. So Evan, just give us the update. Now, what is at the bottom of the news? There's so much news swirling around about the vaccine. What can you tell us? What has happened? and what is likely to happen. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, the news has been good from a vaccine standpoint. Uh, Pfizer announced that they had observed 90% efficacy of their vaccine um, uh, when the initial interim analysis was performed. And Moderna also publicly announced earlier this week that, um, that they have enough cases to have met their interim analysis and actually have exceeded those number of cases. And uh, um, the uh, scientific lead of Operation Warp Speed 
yesterday had said publicly that they expect that um, Moderna results may be available next week. Wow. Yeah, for the interim analysis. So this is the initial look at, um, at is the vaccine working uh, in uh, at least the first 53 people. And Moderna is what you've been, you've had your hands in mostly, is that correct? Yeah, so here at Emory, we've been very involved with the Moderna vaccine study and we've actually uh, had completed enrollment of uh, that vaccine study. And now we're um, working on the Janssen vaccine. Well, congratulations on all of that. Um, that's, that's an awful lot of hard work and it's bearing fruit and it's bearing fruit for the human family. I'm really grateful to you, Evan, and uh, all of your colleagues. Yeah, we're, we're excited to, to, uh, to be this far along and to see um, so much progress uh, being made where it appears that there will be some answers from the Pfizer vaccine study and uh, soon should be for the uh, Moderna vaccine. So um, things are definitely moving right along, which is great. And there've also not been any uh, significant safety issues with either of those studies. That's wonderful. So everybody wants to know the bottom line in terms of when they can gather loved ones without any restrictions, no masks, all those kinds of things. And the backup question is, when can I get a vaccine? Then uh, is it going to be widely available for everyone? So I know you don't have a crystal ball in your wonderful head, but if, could you tell us what you, what you know now, what you're expecting now? Yeah, so um, uh, I think Tony Fauci and also um, people at Operation Warp Speed have said that, that uh, it's likely that there would be initial vaccine available for some individuals even this calendar year. Um, that the uh, rollout might begin as early as then, uh, which is fantastic. Um, assuming that, that the data that we're hearing uh, for the Pfizer vaccine uh, holds up and then as well, depending on what uh, Moderna finds out. Uh, from the standpoint of the crystal ball of when will vaccine be available for everyone or uh, for your group, that's gonna be a tougher question. Uh, really, uh, to the extent that multiple vaccines work and multiple vaccines are effective, that will really help. Um, in part because, uh, in essence, uh, there's limited manufacturing capacity with each of these uh, vaccines. And so uh, uh, if you have two times or two different manufacturers, that will significantly drop the time down to have vaccine available. If there's three or even four vaccines that are licensed, uh, that will further help the uh, rollout of making vaccine available for uh, everyone. Um, it's gonna be a bit before, um, before uh, it kind of moves into, um, so it'll start with uh, probably a series of priority groups uh, and then work down uh, to people at lower risk uh, for COVID-19. Um, that guidance will be coming from uh, ACIP and CDC, uh, and uh, we should be hearing more about that uh, over the next uh, weeks here. Neil, so we may know by the end of the calendar year, and then the vaccine would be available to the widespread population, what, in the springtime? Yeah, so, so it's anticipated that it will um, start initially with uh, some of the highest risk groups that's anticipated to be healthcare workers and then uh, those with significant co medical comorbidities, uh, followed by kind of the healthier older population. And then uh, ultimately working down to younger populations that are um, at lower risk of severe disease is what is currently um, being proposed, but is actively being discussed and hasn't been finally decided. Um, importantly, uh, some groups uh, will probably have a bit of delay as far as, um, as uh, availability of vaccine, uh, that those being children actually and pregnant women 
uh, as studies have not been done in either of those groups to assess the vaccine safety and um, efficacy. So uh, there will be some delays for some populations for sure. I see. Yeah. And important question is, when can I have church with all my people again? <laughs> uh, not soon enough is the answer. Um, <laughs> I, I remember thinking, uh, uh, um, uh, when the initial uh, uh, decisions to close everything down uh, happened, I remember just thinking, are you serious? We're gonna not be able to have Easter? Um, and here we are, you know, looking at uh, not having uh, Christmas together with uh, with our church families, and and that's really a bitter pill to swallow. But um, I think as we think about kind of loving our neighbor, um, uh, clearly our our church members are exactly that, and um, and part of loving our neighbor is wearing our mask, but then also. Uh, you know, not going into settings where we're going to be uh, at high risk for for um, acquiring uh, SARS-CoV-2. So, so um, uh, there has been a lot of talk, and and again, I think it does depend very much on how many um, vaccines are available, because that will uh, and are actually safe and effective and work, uh, because that will absolutely shorten the timeline down. If there's three or four vaccines uh, that are, are available and licensed, I think that that um, probably uh, by uh, summertime, vaccine will be widely available. And then I think a key question is gonna be uptake. Um, uh, there's a lot of concern about vaccine hesitancy. Um, and to the extent that, that people decide not to receive a vaccine, um, that will absolutely slow down the timeline um, or um, uh, impact how quickly we're able to get back to, to church and to you know, other things that we did in, the, in 2019 that we were taking for granted. Indeed. Well, this is exactly what I was hoping that we could receive from Dr. Evan Anderson. And uh, uh, once again, you're my newest best friend and it's wonderful <laughs> that I and St. Luke's has such a friend uh, as you in science, who's also a person of faith. And for you to close us out with remembering that we're to love our neighbors ourselves, I'm so deeply grateful. So blessings on you. We'll stay in touch. I keep you in my prayers. And uh, I sure am glad you're doing what you're doing for the world. Thank you, Evan. Yes, um, blessings to you as well, uh, Reverend Bacon, and to your congregation and the people of St. Luke's. Uh, um, again, love your neighbor, wear your mask in the meanwhile, hang in there. This is not gonna be forever. Uh, uh, we will get back to something resembling normal and be able to go back to, to church and to many of the things that we, again, took for granted um, in, in the future. It is coming um, and uh, Hang in there, persevere. Thank you, my friend. Goodbye. And thank you all for being with us. Happy week. <laughs>